think of Pastor Paul for allowing me to come back and share my story with you guys this morning. There have been many times in my life that I've had to face trials and still continue to this day to face trials. These trials that I had to face were pe- where people would bully me and people would point at me and make fun of me and call me names like monster and freak. All because I was born differently. Regardless of what I faced in my life, I continue to persevere and continue to push on with God's help. I believe that God says that God always had something great in store for me in my life. If you have your Bible with me, will you open with me to James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8? It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you consider, whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all to all generously and without reproach, and will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, dri- driven and tossed by the wind, so that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Father God, we should thank God for the time and for the for the time and for the service, God, that you will speak through me, God, and speak your words to those that are here in the tents, God, and let me pray. Amen. On January 16th, nineteen. I was born with a disability called Aplet Syndrome. Aplet Syndrome is a genetic disorder that has a distinct feature of skeletal abnormalities. And what I mean by that is when I was born, my forehead was pushed out with my eyes and nose were pushed back into my head and my fingers and toes were fused together. I had no in the movement of them. My parents didn't even realize prior to me being born that I was gonna have any type of birth defect or any type of disability. They were expecting to deliver a healthy baby boy. And when I was born, the doctors rushed me out to be examined because they didn't even know what was wrong to me or what type of birth defect or what type of disability that, that I had. And they reeled me back into the room and I had raised my hand. And at that time, my hand was fused and my fingers were fused together. My mom had saw that and she thought that, that was the only thing that was wrong with me, not realizing all of the other abnormalities and all the other um, issues that were wrong with me at that time. 
and the doctor came back in to the room and explained to my parents that I had no skull opening and no room for my brain to, to grow. And because of that, they advised my parents to sign the papers and to put me into a institution. Thankfully, my parents said, no, we will not put him into a institution. We're not going to give up a child that God had given us. And one of the other stories that I like to tell is about my dad. And my dad went down a hallway to, to play because he didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't know if he was going to you know, run away or he was, you know, how he was going to handle this situation. And in the middle of the hallway, without anyone being around, he heard, to, to, he heard two words, be still. And I believe that that comes from Psalm 46, 10, which says, be still and know that I am God. And thankfully, my parents took me home and they heard from the doctors at the hospital where I was born at in Miriam Macklet that doctors at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital were doing operations on babies like me. And at six weeks of age, I had my first of many operations to open the skull and to allow my brain to grow. The doctor there said, he'll, you know, he'll be able to survive, he'll be able to, you know, live, but he'll have to overcome a lot of difficulties and a lot of operations in his lifetime. And I don't know if it was this doc the doctor that did the operation on me the first time or when this happened, but I, my parents told me that doctors at one point said I wouldn't live past age of 18. And I more than, you know, double that at this time in my life. While my parents were going through this trial, they didn't waver in their faith. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't lock in their trust of God. They may have questioned, how will we handle this situation, though they never gave up? At five years old, after my parents were told I would become brain dead, I entered the Hengisville Scottish School for people with disabilities. It was at this school and even on the outside world where I was teased and made fun of, picked on, called monster and freak. Even though I, gave, even though I grew up in the church, I gave... I finally gave my life to Christ at the age of 13 and started to attend the youth group. And I enjoyed going to the youth group. I enjoyed, you know, talking to the youth and hanging out with the youth and even, you know, at times speaking into their lives. And most importantly, I felt the acceptance and I felt the love that they had for me, and the, you know, 
and that they even cared about me. As we all know, life is not easy. And there are things that we face. The enemy, the devil, tries to destroy us, to distract us from the life that God has given us. I don't know what you are going through today, but know this, that God is with you. He is there with you through the midst of the trial that you are either facing now or will face later in the future. Just like yours, my life was not easy. I've had to undergo 68 operations throughout my lifetime to separate my fingers and to reconstruct my face and to do multiple operations on my face. So unlike what James talked about, I didn't always consider it through joy when I was going through these trials. I wasn't always joyful. People tell me that I have a joy in my life. But that's because of God having because of having God God in my life. So just because we have God in our life doesn't mean it will be a comfortable or joyful life. There were times in my life when my when my faith wavered, when I was frustrated, when I was disappointed. There were times in my teenage years that the devil would, you know, would you know, tell me to give up, would tell me that life was not worth the living, that life wasn't going to be a great life for me because of my disability, because of what you know, the teenagers and the some of the young adults would tell me that you know, with with, with the name calling and things of that nature. But I always knew that God had something great in store for my life. I always knew that there was something special that God had in store for my life. Just like Jesus reminded the disciples that he was there with them in the midst of the storm that they were going through, Matthew chapter 14, verse 26 says, When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, or take courage, and I do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you are little faith, why do you doubt? When he got into the boat, the wind stopped and those with him were in the boat worshipped worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. Let me ask you two, let me ask you a question today. Where is your faith? Where is your faith when you're going through trials? Know today that 
when you're going through tri your trials, Jesus is saying to you, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. There were times in my life when I would ask, why would a loving, caring God create me the way that he did? And I have come to a great theological answer as to why he would make me the way that he did. The answer is, I don't know. But what I do know is that God has a great plan and purpose for my life, and he has one for yours as well. There are times in my life when I had to learn about perseverance and about running the race that God has given me, and most importantly, about not giving up. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay, lay aside every incompetence and the sin which so eagerly entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, who, who for the joy set before him endured the, the cross, despising the sin, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow really weary and lose heart. Let me ask you another question today. What is the incompetence or the sin in your life that is stopping you from running the race that God has for you? When we are running a race, we get tired. We feel like giving up, waving the right flag of surrender. We need to know that life is, a, is, not, is, is not a sprint, but a marathon. We need to persevere. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that we can stay strong in our faith and not doubt. And when we doubt, we ask for wisdom. When we do, we can do this because God is on our side and the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. There are many times in my life when I felt the enemy, the devil, telling me that I wouldn't make it, telling me that I wouldn't do anything in this life, that I should just end my life and give up. Why did I feel this way? Because I was tired, because I didn't know what it was that God had for me. But the Holy Spirit kept telling me to keep running and to keep moving forward in this life and to not give up. Even with having a disability of only nine fingers and not being able to lift my hands above my head, I enjoy playing sports. I enjoy playing baseball and being able to play football and be able to go bowling and even being involved with the Empire State game for the physically challenged and being being able to do those things and to not allow any hindrances to stop me from doing what it was that God wanted me to do. I tried not to allow these things to stop me. There is a life chain that I have, which is, can't is not in my vocabulary. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do 
all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens me and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confidence, confident peace. Just like there's expectations in this, excuse me, exceptions in this verse, I just mentioned, there's limitations in my life, and one of those for me was school. I wasn't very good at math. I didn't do well in certain subjects. And because I went to a school for people with disabilities throughout my whole life up until the time of high school, I had to go to a special meeting before I graduated to, to determine what I would do after I graduated. And at this meeting, the people that were there asked my high school history teacher, do you think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college? Do you think he'll be able to have the ability to, to do it and to make it? And his response was, no, I don't think that Dorsey will be able to make it in college. And then my mom was then, you know, they had asked me first, and I said, yeah, I think I can make it. And then they asked my mom, and she said, well, if he thinks that he can make it, he will. And at that time, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't realize, you know, about the difficulties of college and the difficulties of the classes in college. But either way, I entered Queensborough Community College in August of 1996. And even before going into college, I had asked my mom, I said, you know, mom, how long do you think it will take me to finish college? And she said, I don't care if it takes you 10 years as long as you finish. And and the first couple of weeks that I went to Queensborough was very difficult for me and very dramatic for me, especially with the change of pace and the change of not really knowing anyone on that campus. And I would get nervous at night and I would get sick at night and just everything that was, you know, overwhelming for me. And I asked my mom one time, I said, do you think that I could, you know, quit or to pull out and whatnot? And she said, take it another couple of weeks and see what happens. And at one of my church meetings at my home church, I found out about the Chi Alpha Christian groups on the secular campuses, and I went to... And I went to the first meeting, and the first meeting that I went to until four years later when I graduated, I was no longer sick, and I was no longer not feeling well at night. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't you know, do well in certain classes and I didn't fail certain classes, but I was not physically 
ill anymore. And even after going to four years of community college, I still felt like God had a calling on my life to become a youth pastor. So in August of 2000, I, I entered the what is now the University of Valley Forks. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So sometimes difficulties come, difficulties arise, trials come in our lives. And one of the biggest trials I had to face so far in my life, you know, regardless of the operations that I went through and, you know, the trials that I went through was that in August of 2002, I got a call that my mom had had a stroke you know, the biggest and greatest supporter in my life is now in the hospital and not doing well. And this is someone that I would speak to, you know, almost daily on, on a daily basis in college and would, you know, live at home most of the time growing up. And then I got another call in the, on December 7, 2002 after trying to reach my mom I got a call from my sister that she had passed away. So I still knew that I needed to persevere. I needed to push on in my schooling, that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to quit, that my mom wouldn't have wanted me to, you know, just to quit and to go home and to have to take care of my dad. Three years after my mom passed away, 28 years after I was born, nine years after being told I wouldn't make it in college, never mind Bible college, I was even told, being told at, at Valley Forge that I should get an associate's degree because at least if I didn't make it, I would have something to fall back on because I wasn't doing well in classes, but on May 5th, 2005, I was able to cross the stage to receive my bachelor's of arts degree in youth ministry. You know, but sometimes, you know, when we think that God has a calling on, my, on our lives and, you know, and when we do, when we feel that, sometimes what we think God wants us to do is not exactly what God wants us to do. Because I went on many interviews to become a youth pastor. And I even went on this one interview where the pastor said to me, you know what, we're not going to look at your disability to see if you're going to become a youth pastor or just look at your resume. And, you know, doors after doors kept closing. And I went home and 
I started to, you know, wonder and started to question what it, how, you know, how was God going to use me in the ministry? And I started to go, I went home and started to attend Bell Rose Assembly of God and Bell Rose Queens. And what was interesting about Bell Rose was the fact that the associate and youth pastor, and he's still there, was the same guy that I met back at in Queensboro, and I also met him again in Valley Forks. So it was like I was following him around to these different places, and he wanted to become a missionary to Africa. And I was like, well, you can, you can go to Africa, but I'm not going to follow you to that place because I'm not, I'm not called to become a missionary. But in the summer of 2006, I was given an opportunity to give my testimony. And during that time, I was playing about how God was going to use me to give my testimony. And he said to me, send this out and see what I will do with it. And from 2007 till now, and you know, hopefully continuing on, God has allowed me to speak and to travel and to continue to minister all across this country, sharing my story. In February, February 2007, I started, and all because I kept asking, seeking, knocking for what it was that God wanted me to do. I was able to do that because I kept on persevering and never gave up. If it wasn't for God in my life, I would have given up a long time ago. I I want to leave you with these three points. The trial will not last as long as you think as long as you think it will. There's always an end in sight when we don't see it. A trial is something that will challenge your challenge our faith. The trial number two is the trial is hard is as hard as it seems will not kill you if you don't give up. A harder trial is will eventually make you stronger even when we don't understand the reasoning. And it will always be to strengthen our character and give us hope. During the trial, you will always, number three is during the trial, you always feel alone. You, you will feel all alone. You will feel discouraged. You may even feel like God has forgotten you. But he hasn't forgotten you. He's right there with you, standing right there by your side. We always need someone to be there with us, to be there, you know, whether it be an accountability partner or just a close friend, to be there with us during these trials, during these times of struggle that we face in our lives. And one example for me recently is the fact that I was told by my sister who I live with and my dad that my sister's selling her house. So I needed to 
you know, with me and my dad, we needed to find a new place to live. And, you know, I had my friends around me, you know, playing for me, being encouragement to me. And it helped, even though it was a very stressful time to be able to look for a place and to find that right place. But I believe that God has opened up a place for my dad and I to go and live, which is in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And we'll be moving there next month. And I say all that just to encourage you guys to not to go through the trial alone by yourself, not to, if you're struggling with something, go find someone to, you know, speak to and to help them to, you know, to, you know, to help them, to allow them to encourage you and allow them to be there for you to surround yourself with. If you guys would bow your head with me this morning. Father God, we just thank you, God, for this time. We thank you, God, for what you have done and what you have spoken through me this morning, God, that you would just allow us to go from this place, God, encouraged and go from this place, God, and inspired, God, knowing that you, you are with us through the trials, that you are with us through the struggles that we face in our lives, God, whether it be through our health issues during this time of COVID or financial issues or whatever the, those issues may be, God, that you will help us through these times, that you will help us to overcome these trials in our lives, God, and help us to know that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, God, and name of play, amen.